This morning we present an archived edition of Talkin' Birds. We hope you like it. We'll be back with an all-new show next week. Ray Brown's Talkin' Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com by L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com by Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com and proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. Winter is beginning and plenty of birds are making Rhode Island their winter home. Come with us on some of our free year-round walks that are listed on our website, www.oceanstatebirdclub.org and follow us on Facebook or become a member and stay up to date with our quarterly newsletter, Ocean State Bird Club. Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 696. We'd like to start off this morning with some thank yous to Bill Thompson III and his able assistant, Emily Jones, and all the folks at the American Birding Expo. We aired our show, number 695, from that big event at the Greater Philadelphia Expo Center last Sunday, September 23rd, and had a chance to meet many amazing people and to learn more about the world of birds and birding including through our special on-site guest, Dr. David LaPuma from the world-famous Cape May Bird Observatory. Thank you, David. We'd also like to send special thank yous to a bunch of Talking Birds listeners who visited uh, with us there at the Expo, including Vincent Prepolenis, our fabulous ambassador and contributor from East Windsor, New Jersey, Ezekiel Smith, Talking Birds ambassador from Leesport, Pennsylvania, long-distance visitor and Talking Birds ambassador Joy Klump, from Houston, Texas, who, among other things, is a Texas master naturalist, and Lori Reynolds from North Brantford, Connecticut, who signed up as a Talking Birds ambassador during her visit with us there at the Expo. Thank you, Lori. By the way, here's some event info for Talking Birds listeners in or near Arkansas. Talking Birds ambassador George Dokes sent us a note about the 2018 fall convention of the Arkansas Audubon Society. It'll be held October 5th through the 7th at the Holiday Inn Texarkana Convention Center. Find out all about it at arbirds.org. That's arbirds.org. And thank you, George, for telling us about it. We're now about to visit a place we haven't been to in a while, and that would be the Talking Birds Science Corner. Come up to the lab and see what's on the slab. It's a live Science Corner report. And to make it live, Debbie Bleacher joins us right here in the studio, our senior producer of Talking Birds. Good morning, Debbie. Hey, good morning, Ray. So we're going to talk about birds' vision a little bit here. Some birds have eyes in front of their heads like uh, people uh, usually do, but other birds have eyes on the sides of their heads. Now, why would that be? Why is it different? Well, it makes sense if you think about it. Generally speaking, birds and animals with eyes in the front of the head hunt by seeing their prey. And birds and animals with eyes on the sides of their heads are often the ones eaten by those hunters. Mm. So they need to be able to see those hunters to escape. So the creature with the, with the eyes on the front, uh, well, any creature with two eyes gets a different picture from each eye. So um, eyes on the front of the head see similar pictures and the brain coordinates them um, to get a really good 3D image. This is called binocular vision. Okay. This is, you know, think about how your eyes work when you look through a pair of binoculars. Mm. Um, so 
Binocular vision helps predators gauge how large and how close their prey is, but it provides a relatively narrow field of vision. Um, barn owls, for instance, have a visual field that's only 150 degrees wide, which is a little smaller than ours. Hmm. But birds with eyes on the sides of their head have a wider visual field, sometimes almost all the way around their heads. So that's great um, when they need to see predators sneak up on them. Um, but they have binocular vision only in the very center front of the field. Um, and something I just learned is that this central area is bigger in birds that need to manipulate food with their beaks, like starlings. Really? And it's smaller in birds that just snap at their food, like ducks. Huh. Well, you mentioned barn owls as an example of a bird that has an even narrower field of vision than we do. But they can swivel their heads around about 270 degrees, uh, which is almost as big as an area, an area as the birds with those side-mounted eyes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I wish I could do that to keep my eyes on my kids. But, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, um, they have, uh, owls have eyes that are fixed in their sockets, so they can only widen their field of vision by turning their heads. Um, by the way, barn owls mm -hmm. have really cool ears, but I'll talk about them another time. All right. Well, one other thing. Uh, we see robins. This is, everybody has seen this. Robins sort of cocking their heads to the right or left when they're looking for worms. So it used to be thought that they were listening. It looks like they're listening, but we I guess we now know that they're really using those kind of side-mounted eyes for a closer look. Yeah, get a load of this. Um, in the mid-60s, an ornithologist named Dr. Frank Hepner published a report about how the American robin locates earthworms. He set up experiments based on the five senses to test which one was actually being used. Um, and he managed to eliminate hearing, smell, taste, and touch with various methods. And he concluded that sight was the way they did it. So he figured this out by drilling holes that looked like wormholes. And discover, he discovered that robins ignored the holes unless they could see the worm inside. Hmm. So whether that worm was alive inside and normal, alive but coated with a bad smelling odor, or even dead, the robins found the worms and ate them. So he wow. concluded that sight is the key sense that the robins use. Wow. Okay. A little bit about eyes and next time about ears, right? Yeah. All right. Our own Debbie Bleacher uh, visiting us here in the uh, famous uh, Talking Birds Science Corner. On to our mystery bird contest. A preview of our contest. This is not the contest itself. Uh, just a preview. But here's the sound of our mystery bird. couple of clues about our mystery bird. It's a medium-sized perching songbird with a mottled brown back and wings, mostly pale gray body feathers, bold black and white stripes on its head, a pale pink or yellow bill, and a long tail. Our bird, which winters over most of North America and breeds mostly up in northern Canada and Alaska, is a ground feeder foraging mostly for insects. A little preview of our mystery bird contest uh, coming along just a little bit later in the show. We have fabulous prizes, including the Droll Yankees Window Mount Songbird Feeder. This is the coolest of cool feeders, plus a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app, which makes learning bird sounds a game. On our mystery bird contest coming along in just a little bit later uh, in this morning's uh, show. Extra, extra, read all about it. Here are some of the stories and videos we have for you on our Facebook page uh, this week. Birds can sing by using their syrinx, something that no other creatures have. But how or why did it evolve? Well, researchers at Chicago's Field Museum have been trying to figure that out. 
and we'll link you to the story that explains what they have learned so far. Was there really a bird once that weighed 1,800 pounds? Why, yes. Uh, yes, there was. And we'll connect you to details uh, from the story uh, at uh, Newsweek.com. And from our Let's Blow Our Own Horn department. We offer a link to yours truly's chat about fall bird migration on a local edition of NPR's All Things Considered on WGBH Radio in Boston. And that's some of what we have for you on our Facebook page right now. You can also find those stories through an online search. We have two conservation salutes this morning. And uh, you'll pardon us. One is for a politician and the other is for a big corporation. The politician is Massachusetts Attorney General Maura Healey, who's leading a coalition of 19 states and the District of Columbia in challenging the Trump administration's plan to roll back federal limits on tailpipe pollution from cars and trucks. The coalition includes every state that has adopted California's more stringent standards to reduce vehicle emissions, improve miles per gallon, and save drivers money on gas. According to the U.S. Energy Information Administration, the transportation sector is now the nation's largest source of carbon dioxide emissions. Cars and light-duty trucks make up 60% of the country's transportation sector and are the main driver of U.S. dependence on oil, including foreign imports. The lawsuit says that California's standards have a huge impact and are vitally important to public health for millions of Americans, while the administration's plan would subject every state to less efficient and dirtier standards. Stay tuned. And the corporation we're saluting is Apple Incorporated, which says it has achieved its goal of powering all its facilities with renewable energy. That includes all of its data centers, offices, and retail stores in 43 countries. The company also says that nine more of its suppliers have recently committed to using only renewable energy sources, like wind and solar, bringing to 23 the total number of suppliers to make such a pledge. So a Talking Birds conservation salute to Apple Incorporated and those 23 suppliers. Well, here at Talking Birds, we do not have a promotion department. We've checked. We just don't have them, but we have something that we think is even better, and that is our Talking Birds ambassadors. Amazing Talking Birds listeners who've uh, agreed to let us send them some little info cards about our show to promote our program and birds and conservation. So we'd like to say thank you to three new ambassadors. Uh, one is the aforementioned Laurie Reynolds from North Brantford, Connecticut, whom we had the great pleasure of meeting at the American Birding Expo in Philadelphia last Sunday. Thank you again, Lori. Thank you to Betty Ann Sharp from Hubbardston, Massachusetts. She says she listens to the podcast of our show every Sunday on my way home from work. She says, thanks for helping me become a better birder. I own barely read books with my husband, Jim Ellis. That's, by the way, B-E-A-R-L-Y, barely read books. She says, we sell used, rare, and antiquarian books and, of course, have hundreds of books on birding and field guides among our 36,000 titles. Our tagline is, what's in your library? Barely read books. Thank you so much, Betty Ann. And thanks to Dina S. from San Francisco, California. 
Thank you, Dina, for becoming an ambassador and for your kind comments about the show. She says, I'm catching up slowly through the podcasts. I'd love to become an official ambassador since I seem to be already an unofficial one. Telling my birding friends about the show, going to be starting a birding by ear class with Golden Gate Audubon Society and happy to pass out your cards during my class. That is awesome. Thank you so much, Dina. Talking Birds listeners, if you'd like to join Dina and Betty Ann and Lori and become part of the Talking Birds Ambassadors family, we hope you will. Just click on the contact button at TalkingBirds.com and choose the Become an Ambassador option. Still to come on our show today, we'll catch up with our man Mike O'Connor in our Let's Ask Mike segment talking about an inquiry he received from uh, a customer, a would-be customer from Calcutta, India about Swifts. And he has some amazing stuff to tell us about common swifts. Plus, we'll present our famous mystery bird contest, complete today with a special bonus prize. And up next, a bird of the most beautiful blue is today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. She wore blue. Well, despite repeated calls to Bobby Vinton's agent, we just couldn't get a version of this song that said he wore blue velvet. For a more accurate description of the male of the species of today's featured feathered friend, the indigo bunting. He's a brilliantly blue bird whose habitat is old fields and roadsides, heavily farmed areas, and deep woods. The indigo bunting is a small songbird with a short thick bill and dark brown eyes. In spring and summer, the male sports that brilliant dark blue all over, while the female is mostly brown but with subtle hints of blue that can give a clue as to her identity. Indigo buntings may be flying over your house tonight, using the stars for guidance on their nocturnal migrations, heading for South Florida, Central Mexico, through the Caribbean and Central America, in northern South America to spend the winter after learning their orientation to the night sky from their experience as young birds observing the stars. How good are they at finding their way? Well, according to the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, research shows that experienced adult indigo buntings can return to their previous breeding sites when held captive during the winter and then released far from their normal wintering area. The indigo bunting our featured feathered friend here on Talking Birds. Welcome, welcome to our show, number 696. A little reminder, as we uh, usually do, about uh, our website and uh, Facebook page and stuff. We hope you'll visit. It's TalkingBirds.com. And every once in a while, we think it's maybe worth mentioning that there is no G in talking because you put the g in there you get that pet store in um uh, las vegas so don't put the g in there talkingbirds.com and follow us on facebook and twitter at talking birds up next it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute
Talking Birds, we're for the birds. And we want to say thanks to another Talking Birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about birds and conservation. I'm Faith Fertazio, and I'm a Talking Birds ambassador from Pembroke, Massachusetts. I became a Talking Birds ambassador so I could share all the information that we learned together. The most interesting place I gave out one of my Talking Birds ambassador cards was at one of my scrapbooking events because I figured we could go by and taking pictures of the beautiful birds in our backyard with our scrapbooking and make a wonderful scrapbook page. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll become a Talking Birds ambassador. Just visit our website, TalkingBirds.com. Click on the contact button and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. We'll send you some info cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors. That's the contact button at TalkingBirds.com. And thanks. Our Mystery Bird Contest is presented here every week on our show. And if you haven't heard it before, here's kind of how it works. We play the sound of a bird. Uh, We give some clues. And then we invite you to call in and tell us what that bird is. And a unique feature of our Mystery Bird Contest is that you don't necessarily have to get the right answer in order to win. That is to say, if nobody does get the right answer and you just take a guess and it's not exactly right, then you could be a winner because... uh, uh, we'll do a drawing. Jesse is in charge of that here this morning, and we'll do a drawing and determine our winner that way because we are determined to give away our prizes on the Mystery Bird uh, Contest. You're eligible if you haven't been a winner here um, in the past six months here on Talking Birds. Well, here's the sound uh, again of our Mystery Bird. You're listening to an archived edition of Talking Birds. Thanks for being with us. We'll have an all-new show next week. Perching songbird with a mottled brown back and wings, mostly pale gray body feathers, bold black and white stripes on its head, a pale pink or yellow bill, and a long tail, our bird which winters over most of North America and breeds mostly up in northern Canada and Alaska, is a ground feeder foraging mostly for insects. So that's our mystery bird. And a couple of clues there. Prizes the Droll Yankees Window Mount Songbird Feeder, complete with the unique songbird and blueberries design, and a clear view of the birds right at your window. It attaches very securely, by the way, with suction cups, and holds two cups of seed or fruit or meal worms. And then the bonus prize, a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app. That's the app that makes learning bird sounds a game. And then we, if we have time, I, I think we might have time. But we have a, another bonus question this morning. Um, and that's an extra prize would be your own copy of the Cornell Lab of Ornithology's Backyard Birds and Blossoms Adult Coloring Book. This is now, Debbie is still here uh, with us. Is Debbie's mic on because this is not just a regular, ordinary coloring book, right, Debbie? Oh, no, this is absolutely beautiful and, and very, very complex. Yeah, and it has uh, color photos in there, and it has a bunch of pages where the the colors are already in there. Oh, so yeah. So you could uh, copy what they do or come up with your own color scheme, however you want to. Yeah. You know, it it's your either. coloring book. You can make the a bluebird ye- yellow if you want, whatever you want to do. Yeah, just don't show it to the bluebirds. They'll get confused. Exactly. By the way, we also include a set of premium quality colored eco pencils. So those are a whole bunch of prizes on our Mystery Bird Contest. The number is kind of important, 781-837-4900. That's 781-837-4900. Call us as soon as you can so we don't, as they say, run out of time. 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, we will check in with Mike O'Connor way down there at the Birdwatcher's General Store who's heard from a customer really far away. And we'll talk about 
Swifts. Let's ask Mike live in just one minute. E baba mungu, tunakuamba, uikumbuke, nchi Tanzania. Tanzania hosts more than a thousand bird species, and on safari with Nasera Safaris, you'll see the birds and the big five. The lion, leopard, elephant, rhino, and cape buffalo. That's Nasera Safaris founder and guide, Joseph Dunguru, and Nasera Safaris provides more, says co-founder David Clapp. We offer customized safaris and mountain climbing adventures in Tanzania, Kenya, and Uganda, and guerrilla trekking in both Uganda and Rwanda. Going on safari in Africa is an unforgettable experience, and there's no better way to do it than with Nasera Safaris. See their website for details, nasarasafaris.com, N-A-S-E-R-A, Nasera Safaris. Mike O'Connor is down there. Birdwatchers General Store, Route 6A, Orleans. Beautiful, always sunny Cape Cod. Good morning, Mike. Well, good morning, Greg. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. We're back from Philadelphia. And speaking of long-distance places, I know you get customers from, you know, Fall River and New Bedford and Providence, but <laughs> you're hearing now from folks in Calcutta, India. Calcutta, India. That's right. So either they heard you on the podcast or they, they read me somewhere online or something, but... A gentleman named, uh, you know, I'm going to screw up all these names, so just get ready if you're Indian descent. Uh, <laughs> Somnath, I believe, is the, uh, Somnath's pronunciation, and they've even changed the name of Calcutta. It's the, slightly, it's they say it differently now, and they put a lot of K's in there. It's call, I don't know. I'm not yeah. even going to mess with I'll it. Try that it, next they, week. <laughs> I, I need some help with that. I'm a little bit behind my yeah. my culture here. So you're but anyway, yeah. th- these people... Uh, this gentleman says, says we, so I think it's his family, um, would get these common swifts would come and uh, fly right around his building, usually at sunset, and he wanted to know, uh, you know, if they only flew at sunset like, you know, like Nighthawks or something like that. And so I looked into it, and it turns out I found out something far more interesting. First of all, I think they probably come around sunset kind of like, uh, chimney swifts, because that's when the, the lights come on and the insects are attracted to light. So they're probably buzzing around just picking up insects mm-hmm. in, around his neighborhood because there's more insects at that time of day. But it turns out these birds, these common swifts, this is unbelievable, but once they leave the breeding grounds and return the next year, they don't land one time the rest of the year. Ten months for the rest of the year, they just keep flying nonstop. No, wait a minute. So they 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 stop at night and roost at night, right? <laughs> they don't. They don't even st- uh, stop at a Seven Eleven or south oh of the border or anything. So they flying just, constantly for ten months, 10 never months. never yeah, landing. It's, oh my! It's goodness. crazy. Wow! It's crazy. And first of all, researchers, you know, they 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 would leave the northern Europe and Asia, and they would winter down in uh, these birds would winter down in sub-Sahara Africa and they would see them, researchers would see them, but like chimney swifts, we all know that they roost in, in these uh, big flocks and, and chimneys but they could never fly, find a large roost or any roost of these common swifts and so they're thinking, well, somehow, did they keep flying? But they couldn't really prove it and then, believe it or not, they couldn't prove it until the iPhone came out. So when the iPhone came out, they, they made these really tiny, tiny accelerometers that yeah. we all use to play video games and stuff. 
Well, they would put those, they put those on the back of the birds in the breeding grounds, let them go, and then when the birds returned again in the spring, they'd capture them and read these accelerometers, and they never stopped moving for, for the entire time. Wow. Some of the birds, once in a while, they would find one that maybe stopped an hour mm-hmm. throughout the year, but a, 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 a percentage of them never stopped flying. They would, these birds would, would eat and drink and sleep. And even and even mate on the wing, which puts them in you know the original Mile High Club apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but the, they don't even know how they sleep. They assume that they yeah. fly these great distances and then spiral down. This is the theory because mm-hmm. you know they don't have the iPhone hasn't been able to prove this yet. But they <laughs> would spiral down and sleep while they're descending. It's, it's, a, it's quite a yeah. discovery, actually. Well, well, there's been some research too on other birds, like frigate birds. I, I think where they where they think that the birds kind of turn off half their brain at a time and so that one half of the brain can sleep while the other half stays awake and then kind of switch off that way so I something wonder, like that yeah. right yeah so and, and i think the frigate birds do just the opposite i think they spiral upwards because they they get a draft and they yeah. kind of rise up in the air these they think get way up there and and, and spiral down on on their uh you know, when they slowly float. But it's amazing. They, they grab the insects on the wing, they scoop down, they get water, and they have no reason to land whatsoever. They're so aerodynamic. It's, it's, it's I don't know. It, it shocked me. It's kind but of crazy. the worst part is, with this new iPhone thing, uh, the cell phone rates have gone through the roof. So the, <laughs> so oh, the birds a, have to get a second there's job. A, there's a trade-off to everything. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. All right, talk next week. Talk right. to you next week. Mike O'Connor down there at the famous Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. For over a quarter century, Birdwatching Magazine has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Regular contributors include expert birders and authors such as Ken Kaufman, David Sibley, Pete Dunn, Laura Erickson, and others. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com. We're back here at the Mystery Bird Contest. That would be the sound of our mystery bird, a medium-sized perching bird with a mottled brown back and wings, mostly pale gray body feathers, bold black and white stripes on its head, a pale pink or yellow bill and a long tail. Our bird winters over most of North America, breeds up in northern Canada, Alaska, mostly a ground feeder, foraging mostly for insects. What is it? 781-837-4900 is the number. I think we have a couple of Talking Birds ambassadors, if I'm guessing correctly, on the line. First is uh, Faith in Pembroke, Massachusetts. Uh, good morning, Faith. Good morning, Ray. How are you today? We're well. I think we heard you on the air this morning, did we not? Yes, you did. Thank you. You sounded <laughs> fabulous, as you uh, do. You sound just as good live as you do on tape. Thank you. Yeah. And my guest today is the Dark Eyed Junko. Dark Eyed Junko is the guest. Uh, Jesse uh, has the uh, answer to whether this is... Correct or not? He's um, oh, it's incorrect. Oh, he said it's incorrect. Incorrect. That was Jesse. Don't blame. Don't blame me. Okay. No problem. I'll oh. try again another time. <laughs> Thank you, Faith. <laughs> All right. Not a dark-eyed junko. Uh, what is it? I think we have another ambassador on the line. If I'm not mistaken, it would be Dina in San Francisco, Good morning. California. Yeah. Hi, Dina. You're up very early here. It, it is. <laughs> Thank you for being up early to uh, to. To uh, listen in and 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 call in, and thank you again for becoming a, a Talking Birds ambassador. And uh, have you started your birding by ear class yet? I did. We started this week. 
Ah, wonderful. And how's that going so far? It's going well, and we actually heard the mystery bird this past week. Oh, my goodness. In the field. (laughs) This mystery bird right here? Well, I certainly hope so. Yeah, well, what what do you say it is, then? I believe it's a white-crowned sparrow. That's correct. Jesse says that's correct, and if he says it's correct, that's uh, good enough for us, and the audience is applauding, the birds are chirping, <laughs> so we're all uh, in agreement on this. White crowned Sparrow, absolutely right. Uh, okay, nice job, uh, Dina, thank you so much, and if you will stay... Oh, you know what, do we have time for our bonus question? I don't think we do. Uh, we don't have time for a bonus question. Sorry okay. about that, we'll do it again, and... <laughs> And uh, another time, but we'll we'll send those beautiful prizes to you if you'll stay on the line, and uh, Jesse sure. will arrange that for you. Great, thank you. Thank you so much, Dina. We're about out of time for our show this morning, and uh, Debbie Bleacher, thank you for coming in this morning and uh, for that beautiful. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. Science Corner report. She'll be uh, she'll be back. Uh, meanwhile, thanks to uh, Mark Duffield and Debbie Bleacher and our engineer. Jesse Wilkins, I'm Ray Brown. Uh, we'll see you next week. You've been listening to an archived edition of Talking Birds. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back with an all new show next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans Cape Cod, BirdWatchersGeneralStore.com, by L.L. Bean, inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com by Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee, birdsandbeans.com, and proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. Winter is beginning, and plenty of birds are making Rhode Island their winter home. Come with us on some of our free year-round walks that are listed on our website, www.oceanstatebirdclub.org, and follow us on Facebook, or become a member and stay up to date with our quarterly newsletter, Ocean State Bird Club. 